Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act act on them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell. And great was its fall. Now when Jesus had finished saying these words, the crowds were astounded by His teaching. For He taught them as one having authority and not as their scribes. Will you pray with me this morning? Gracious God, we simply ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be measured and found acceptable in Thy sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, I was scared. No, actually, I was a bit unnerved. No, if I was honest with you, I was shaken in my boots. Because you see, I was about to face the toughest audience I had ever faced. I was being asked to preach the most difficult sermon I had ever preached. This crowd was going to be hard to please. They were going to be tough to convince. They were probably going to be the toughest critics I ever faced. They were the three and four year olds at the vacation Bible school. And to make matters worse, they had just come out of their snack where somebody had pumped them up with some sugar-infused, hyper-induced wonder juice. I mean, they walked into the room and they were literally bouncing off of the walls. They ushered them in, they locked the doors behind them, and they said, Pastor, they're all yours. And my task? Explain Pentecost. That's right, Pentecost. One of the most confusing and confounding texts. One that has baffled scholars for centuries. You know the story with the wind blowing through the windows and the flames popping up on people's heads and everybody speaking all those languages at the same time. Yes, Pastor, you explain that text to a group of electric chihuahuas in five minutes or less. I was doomed. There was no way out of this. No way to get their attention. No way to get my point across. Probably no way I was getting out of there alive. And that's when it happened. Call it a moment of inspiration or a moment of desperation. And to be honest with you, I'm not even sure where the one begins and the other ends anymore. But out of my mouth came four words. Four words that changed everything. Once upon a time. And as soon as I said those four words, every head of those four and five year olds shifted and turned towards me. Their eyes were glued on me waiting for what would come next. And instead of trying to explain the Pentecost story to them, I just told the Pentecost story to them. You see, once upon a time, there was a group of people who met in an upper room and they waited for God. And they waited. And they waited. And they waited. 
And while they waited, they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. And guess what happened? God showed up. And then I went on to tell them about the wind blowing in through the windows and the little flames popping up on people's heads and everybody speaking the different languages all at the same time. You see, and what happened? Those kids didn't just listen to that story. They hung on every word of it. It happens almost every night at my house. I tuck Casey into bed. I turn and head towards the door. And as soon as my hand hits that knob, his little voice says, Daddy, would you tell me a story? And so I turn around and I go back to the bed and I say those four magic words. Once upon a time. Once upon a time, there was a little boy. What was that little boy's name? Casey. You've been to my house. And we tell stories about this little boy Casey and these most fantastic, wonderful adventures you could ever imagine. This little boy Casey loves to drive helicopters and drive trains. He rides dragons and wrestles with dinosaurs. He swims across rivers and floats across oceans. All of those stories beginning with those four magic words, once upon a time. You see, Native American author Leslie Mormon Silko starts her book Ceremony like this. She says, let me tell you something about stories, she said. Stories aren't just entertainment, so don't be fooled. She said, stories are all we have. All we have to fight off illness and death. She says, you don't have anything if you don't have your stories. Do you ever notice that when somebody comes to Jesus with a question, a tough question, a serious question, one of those religious questions, Jesus seldom answers the question. He just tells them a story. Jesus, we get this whole love your neighbor thing, but seriously now, who is our neighbor? Well, once upon a time, Once upon a time, there was this man who was walking down a road and a bunch of thieves went out and jumped him and they beat him and left him on the side of the road for dead. And one day, a minister from that Methodist church came walking by and he saw him but didn't take time to help him. He just skirted on by. Someone said he had a church meeting to get to. Then the lay leader of that same church came by, but he didn't have time to stop and help him either. Someone said he had a Bible study to get to. But then it was that last guy. Was it that black guy? Or was it that uh, um, Arab guy? Or was it that guy with the multiple piercings carrying the skateboard? Jesus said it was a Samaritan guy who stopped and helped him out. Tell us, Jesus. My brother and I are in this fight. Our parents have died and they've left us an inheritance and we can't settle on what to do with the inheritance. Settle this argument for us. We're arguing about our parents' stuff. Well, fellas, once upon a time, there was this man who had so much stuff that he had to build a new barn. And while he was building the new barn, guess what happened? A knock came on the door and it was the voice of God that said, Hey, buddy, time's up. But God, I'm building my barns. Buddy, your time's up. But God, what about all my stuff? 
Jesus, tell us. Tell us what heaven is like. You see, once upon a time there was this king. He wanted to throw the most lavish party the kingdom had ever seen. So he sent out invitations, but everyone he sent an invitation to was too busy to come to the party. So he simply went out and he found all these people who never get invited to any parties. And guess what? They had the best party anyone had ever seen. It's interesting. We come to Jesus looking for answers, but He he would just soon tell us stories. Did you ever notice that there's just something about a good story? You know a good story? A good story doesn't give you the answers, does it? A good story makes you figure out the answers. And a good story doesn't figure everything out for you. No, a good story makes you figure things out. A good story doesn't just tell you the way it is. A good story makes you imagine about what it might be like. And a good story never gives you all the answers. A good story makes you ask good questions. That's so interesting, isn't it? Because most often we come to church expecting someone to give us the answer. Someone to tell us what to think. Someone to make it plain in language we can understand. And every time we come looking for the answer, Jesus just tells us a story. You see, Jesus even had a story about stories. It's right there at the end of the seventh chapter of Matthew. It wraps up one of uh, Jesus' most famous sermons. And it's a long sermon. Richard, if you think my sermons are long. (laughs) Jesus' sermon was three chapters long. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. The Sermon on the Mount. And there at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus doesn't wrap this story up with a nice little bow. He doesn't sum it up so everybody could understand it. No, Jesus finishes that sermon with a story. A story about stories. Jesus said these stories. My stories. My stories. If you live your life with my stories, you'll be like a person who builds their house upon rock. But if you are someone who builds their life on the world's stories, you will be like someone who builds their house upon sand. And when does it make a difference what stories you build your life on? When the storms come, and the storms will come, won't they? You know the names of the storms. Hurricane Cancer, Monsoon Divorce, Tropical Storm Unemployment. You know the names of the storms. Addiction, depression, loneliness. When the storms of life come, they will beat upon the house of our lives. And Jesus said, if you have built your life on My stories, Your house will stand in the midst of the storms. But He says, if you build your life on the shifting sand of the stories of the world, they will not withstand the storms. Because the world's stories and Jesus' stories are different stories, aren't they? You see, the world tells a story that says it's all about us. Jesus tells a story that says being a servant to others It's the greatest thing of all. See, the world tells stories that it's all about the titles you have and the cars you drive and the clothes you wear. But Jesus tells a story that says, hey, take a look at those lilies in the field. I tell you Solomon, the richest dude ever, wasn't as beautiful as those flowers. 
You see, the world tells a story that everything in it belongs to the powerful. And Jesus tells a story that says the kingdom of God belongs to children. See, the world tells a story that says this life is all you get. So you better get it all in in this life. And you better avoid death and suffering at every cost. But Jesus tells a story that says this life has a promise to continue beyond this life. And that death, death does not have the final say. Jesus says His stories are the kind of stories you can build your life on. You see, friends, we have a story to tell. And it's a story too good not to tell. But my fear is, is we're forgetting our story. We don't know our story anymore. We no longer know the stories contained within those covers of the Holy Scripture. And there's good reason why we don't know all the stories in the Scripture anymore. I think we have conditioned ourselves to believe that all of the stories in the Bible, that the Bible should be better left to scholars and to pastors to help us tell us exactly what it means. And it doesn't help, does it? That our Bibles are all leather-bound and gold-trimmed. It's as if the Bible must be put up so it doesn't get damaged. That it can only be brought out at special occasions. That the Bible should only be consulted under the most serious of matters. And I'll tell you another reason why we don't know our story anymore. And partially, we preachers are to blame. You see, we present the story to you in pieces and parts. A chunk here and a chunk there. Very rarely do you ever hear the story from start to finish. Very rarely do you get to meet the characters and the main character. Get to see the plot unfold from beginning to end. Because you see in that story, is a story of a God who will go to no ends to try to be in relationship with us. It's a story. It's a story we've got to tell. So I want to invite you to do something with me. I want to invite you to read the story with me. And here's what I've gone ahead and done. Help you out with it. On the way out today, you have an opportunity to get one of these. It's a New Testament. It's a New Testament. I went ahead and got these and you can tell I didn't spend a lot of money on them. So you don't have to worry about folding this one up and putting it in your back pocket. You don't have to worry about carrying this one in your purse. You don't have to worry about whether this one gets all marked up or if you ask any questions uh, about it, if you put questions in the margin. This one looks like a storybook, doesn't it? I mean, it looks like a storybook. It's the kind of book you wouldn't mind pulling out in the waiting room at the doctor's office or or while you're on your lunch break to just read a few chapters of it. And what I want to do is invite us to do this. Over the next month, if you would... Pick one of these up on the way out. I want to invite us as a congregation to just read the story together. Let's start with Matthew, the very first book of the New Testament. And let's just read a chapter a day. You're going to be surprised at how short the chapters are. But if you read a chapter a day, over time, in one month's time, we'll have read the entire Gospel of Matthew together from beginning to end. 
And you will see how that whole story fits together. You'll see stories you never knew were in there before. You'll see how stories fit together that you never knew would fit together before. Because you need to know our story. So why am I saying... Oh, and here's what else I'm going to do. Um, if you go on our church website, um, starting we have a blog on there now. Does anybody know what a blog is? Anybody not know what he's talking about? <laughs> All right, we're venturing into the new century here. Okay, um, blog is basically an online conversation board. And you can access it right on the church website. It says, our blog. You just hit on it. And right now you'll find on there some pictures from VBS. You'll find some pictures from our summer gatherings. And each week, I'm simply just going to put out the week's reading, the chapters that we're reading, and just a question or two for you to think about while you read it. This isn't a Bible study. This is an opportunity to read your story. So why am I asking us to do this? Because we've got a story to tell. We've got a story to tell. And I want Redford Aldersgate to be known as a place that loves the story, that knows the story, that lives the story, and then ultimately tells others about the story. Would you mind just grabbing one of these on the way out? And would you read along with me in the month of September? And hey, bring it with you every Sunday. All the sermons in the month of September and October will be out of the New Testament. So you can just Pull this out of your back pocket or pull it out of your purse or your suit coat and you can just read along with us and if I say something interesting, you can underline it or you can just write in there, pastor didn't know what he was talking about. I don't care what you write in there, but would you write something in here so that this story doesn't just sit on our shelves and sit in our pews, but it becomes your story and our story. You will discover that your story is in this story. So how to end this sermon. You guessed it. With a story. You see, once there was this guy who had a nice house. He loved his house. He loved to take care of his house. So one day when he went into his bedroom and noticed on the wall there was a crack in the paint, he was very worried about that. So he got on the phone and found a painter. The painter came over, painted over the cracks. He painted, he paid the painter. The painter was happy. He was happy. The painter went home. Well, 45 days later, the crack showed up again in the wall. He couldn't believe it. It wasn't just one crack this time. The crack brought along its family. There was the aunt crack and the uncle crack, all the sisters and brother cracks. There were cracks popping up all along the wall. So he got on the phone once again and found a new painter this time and said, you're a painter, aren't you? He said, I am a painter. You can take care of those cracks on my wall, can't you? He says, I can. So he stripped down the paint, painted over those uh, over the cracks and went away. He was happy. The painter was happy and he went home. Sixty days later, the cracks showed up again. This time it was a family reunion of cracks. The cracks went all up and down the wall. The man couldn't believe it. He called around to all of his friends to find the best painter in town. He didn't care how much it cost. He wanted to take care of those cracks in the wall. Well, the best painter in town was found. The man came over. The man said to him, you're a painter, aren't you? I am. And you see those cracks on my wall, don't you? He says, I see those cracks on your wall. Can you do something about painting over those cracks? And he said, I can't. I can't paint over those cracks. He says, you're a painter, right? You see the cracks. I see the cracks. God's children see the cracks. What are we going to do about the crack in my wall? He says, well, I could paint over it. But you just have me back here in a month to paint over it again. You see, your problem isn't to do with the wall. 
you have a shifting foundation. Unless you take care of the foundation, you'll never be able to do anything about those cracks. So what does that story mean? I don't know. Read this book and come back next week and you tell me.